0: Like, support black companies.
1: <laughs> hey, I appreciate Hello. you coming on, brother. Shut up, man. <laughs> they snuck those, up those customs,
2: man. bro. Huh? Those customs?
0: What oh, you know? Like... Jordan, you know what I mean? What's up, bro? On, bro. Jordan's, Jordan,
3: yeah. you know what I'm saying? Jordan's kind of helped me out a little bit. <laughs> you know, man, when you, when you a special guy, <laughs> you are you a brand. Jordan guy? I am. Oh, yeah. Brand you know, they... Jordan, you
0: know what I mean? They get all the joints like we don't get. So that's straight from Jordan like that? Or... Yeah, they
2: sent these, for sure.
0: God, that's love. I had a Nike deal. Open them up in the
3: box. That's a, a different deal. <laughs> Lamar Woodley was a Jordan guy, Oh, yeah. and he sure. said that like monthly he just get a shipment at the house of. That's it's like quarterly. They just quarterly, like, okay. A big boxes. A lot of merch. A lot yeah. of merch,
2: shoes. Uh, sometimes it's like we get Jays like maybe three months in advance.
1: How they just drop a new pair, but my six rings is, 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 they is just terrible. They drop some
3: cool grays on Nike. See. Bobby is a Jordan guy and he wouldn't wear six rings. They kid me about my six rings. Six rings (laughs) (laughs) This man a Jordan guy and doesn't even know what a six rings Jordan is. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Because when they send send those to to Bobby's house, he sends them back.
1: They made me throw out all my, well give away, all my six rings they got on me so bad. Had everybody on me
3: about my six rings. Whenever they start like creating and melding different Jordans together, Oh, that's, that's the ones you don't want. You know, your, them the that, fusions.
2: That's your favorites.
1: I thought they were hard until who? Boy, they were on me for about four, five episodes on me. About Bobby, same. he wear mids. Like he, no mids wasn't cool. They, they half the price. <laughs> <That's>,
2: okay. <laughs> <laughs> and look, well, I'm on, I'm on your team. <laughs>
3: appreciate you, brother. Hold up. <laughs> I fight here to witness it. Get my people feeling militant. Way I'm finna get me up. want on the mission get me up. Knowing me, I got the key. Only fidgeting I can trust. Trust limit it. Think cap in it. I fight the head to witness it. Get my people feeling militant. Way I'm finna get me up. want on the mission get me up, knowing me, I got the key. Welcome to the pivot, Bobby, man. It's uh About exciting time, to have you, uh, especially still during football season, so I know this is an incredibly tough time for you to do it because this is normally when you guys get to rest and sort of recuperate. You're a West Coast guy, so to come way out here to the East Coast, we appreciate you. Freddie T, Mm -hmm. my dog Chan, uh, I'm RC, welcome to The Pivot. Thank you guys for tapping in. And I said it to you when we talked earlier, truly I believe when you talk about the Seattle Seahawks and the Legion of Boom, the first name that should be mentioned is Bobby Wagner. Uh, I think what was amazing about that era of that team was y'all had so many leaders, right? And so many of the top players at their position. But to me, it all started um, with you. I appreciate and so, that. you know, I think it's cool to get an opportunity to see sort of where all of that grows. I say all that to say I want to talk about being in Los Angeles, though. Okay. And not about playing for the Rams and being a guy that's from there on game day, having an opportunity to drive past Inglewood Park Cemetery. Mm-hmm. And always remembering that she lives there is what you said not lived Mm. talk a little bit about um just what your mother meant to you and sort of what that year was like knowing that you take that drive every day
2: it meant the world to me uh i remember the first time when i was in seattle and we played for the first time at that um at that arena and i i didn't realize how close it was i kind of just put it into my my phone just to see what the distance was. And it was like maybe 0.5 miles or something like that. And so, you know, I think she's always, you know what I'm saying, present in me. And so be able to to come there and I always try to like visit before, um, before I go into the season. So that season was different because I got a chance to, like you said, I drove by every single day. So I, I stopped there often. I spent a lot of time there, especially when the season wasn't going the way we planned it. Um, I might have stopped there a little bit more, little bit more often, but um, she's been, she was a, such an intricate part in my success and, and I, I try to give her
3: flowers as much as I can. Like you said, having opportunities to go there more, or, uh, you know, like you said, you visit before the season. Um, you know, I know for me, uh, whenever I do, and my mom's still here, but whenever I do lose, lose a loved one and I am standing in front of their gravesite, like I have a conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, and I share things that I'd want to share with them if they were still here. That normally goes in the same vein of the conversations we had when they were alive. What are some of those conversations you share when you get an opportunity to visit? I think it's kind of like you said, it's just a normal
2: conversation. It's almost like their spirit is present. Um, You know, just the physical part of them is not there. And so it's just... Conversations, big and small, like issues or just having a conversation, because it's a voice that you don't get to hear anymore. But you remember, you know, what the responses would be like. You know, if if uh, you know you were able to have that conversation. So it's it's pretty much anything. You know, she was my best friend yeah. um, and meant the world to me. So it's like funny. I uh, when I did go back, I was trying to find the my old cell phone so I could charge it and listen to some of the voicemails that she left wow. uh, before. And so it, it's it's a thing. I don't think, you know, it, it ever goes away to an extent, but um, you try to be uh, a bright extension of, of what their legacy is. I love that. Was that your uh, one of the or the toughest time to that going through that? For sure. That was definitely my toughest time just because I was... Um, I think I was like 18. So it, I was living in California. Then I got a scholarship to Utah State. So I go to Utah State. I've never been uh, anywhere near snow before. (laughs) Uh, Never even knew what it looked like. All I saw was from cartoons and movies. Um, And then that first year, you know, you get that phone call that, you know, she had an accident and you need to come down here quick. You know, it was definitely one of the toughest things I had to deal with, but
0: um, I think it also uh, made me stronger. Your journey to Utah State, you were a two-star recruit. That's what they said. That's what they said. What was your motivation, like, just coming up your upbringing? What inspired you to get into football, and what became your ultimate motivation?
2: I think the biggest thing was um, I just wanted to get out of the situation I was in, and I wanted to you know put food on my family's table and things of that nature so that was like we didn't I didn't know about stars until I got to Utah state I didn't even know I was a two star anything um and so I didn't really care about that I was just trying to uh make it out the motivation honestly was conversations that I had with my with my mom like I remember I picked up a job just because I I wanted to have money of my own I didn't want to depend on my parents mm. and um it was it was tough balancing going to the job and football and then I end up getting fired from the job because <laughs> I chose football one day over the job and then you know, we had this conversation where she was just like, you know, why are you working? And I was like, because I need, I need money. And then she kind of just said, I got you. Just focus on this. And so my mind was like, okay, like, she's taking care of me. I want to be in a position where mm. I can return that favor.
0: You said the situation that you were in, you wanted to sort of changed that. Could you go deeper? Like, could you expound on that and kind of give us a visual?
2: I just was like, I was tired of like not having any money. I was tired of um, being dependent on other people. Um, I was I kind of growing up, I always knew I was, I felt different, but I, I always wanted to have my own. And unfortunately, because of my age at the time, I couldn't work. And so the moment I was able to work, Um, I wanted to kind of get from underneath my parents and not have to rely on them financially. And, you know, just I didn't want to ask for anything. I wanted to be able to provide for myself. And I just wanted to get away with that. And then I saw I was fortunate enough to have both my parents, but I saw a lot of my friends, um, you know, didn't even have a mother or a father. You know what I'm saying? So um, I saw the way that they were taking care of their mothers, the ways they was doing it, and I wanted to do it in in a brighter spot.
3: I was messing with you earlier and I was like, hey man, is your name Robert? And you told me an interesting uh, tidbit about your father's name, your name, and your brother. Can you one, tell us all of their names and, and how the hell does that happen? Why, how did they come up with that?
2: that? That's not a question for me, but <laughs> uh, my, my name's Bobby. My brother's name's Robert and my dad's name's Bobby. My dad's name is Bobby Joe. I'm Bobby Joseph, and then throw my brother in there, he's like Robert Deshawn, so he went.
3: (laughs) But most times, dudes who we call Bobby, their real name is Robert. So your pop's real name is Bobby, and your real name is Bobby, obviously. Yeah. And so he was just like, well, since Bobby is short for Robert, I can name my youngest son Robert, and not everybody got the same name?
2: You know what's funny, though? I never even thought that was a thing until I got to, like, high school, and, Um, the teacher kept saying, Robert Wagner, I wouldn't respond. And then, like, she looked at me like, why are you not responding? I'm like, because that's not my name. My name is Bobby. She's like, I'm pretty sure it's Robert on your birth certificate. And I'm like, it's not. It's Bobby on my birth certificate. I haven't seen my birth certificate, (laughs) but I know it's not that because my brother's name is Robert. So I don't know what the thought process was. um, But, yeah, when I was younger, I used to get offended because I thought people were... Calling me by a different name. But now I realize as I got older, it was actually short for Robert, but it don't make no sense because Bobby is five name. letters <laughs> and Robert is more than five letters. So I don't see the shortness. I, I, I can speak
1: on this because it's really just some country shit. Because I named my, my first son Randolph Channing Crowder after myself. But okay. Then I had a second son, but Randolph is going in his name. So he's Chasley Randolph Crowder. Okay. So it's really just country shit. You want to keep your lineage going, your name going. Is I, you know, I can answer it. We can holler at your daddy, but I, I think I know the answer. I'll ask him. But I don't know if that's gonna be the answer. <laughs> to that.
3: So his so his pop's name is because his name is Randolph. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. His pop's name is Randolph. 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 So I'm junior.
1: Okay. And I got, and I got a third. But now we three Randolphs, I can't leave my baby out of Randolph. That's just a 100%. prestigious name. So I had to throw Randolph on him too. <laughs> Somehow, some way. Somehow, some way. <laughs> yeah, that I'll,
2: that, that I'll, is I'll good. I'll get back to y'all.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you um, you know, you mentioned Utah State. And you going to school there is one of those things that I think in the future will become sort of a trivia question. Mm-hmm. Right? When when you go into the the Hall of Fame, when they put up all your all pros and your Pro Bowls and Super Bowl champions, they're gonna be like, guess the player school. And people are gonna be like USC, right? Cause you're from California. They're gonna say all of these bigger schools, but you went to Utah State, you become a star there. You're drafted in the early rounds. What was the experience like acclimating to school there? Because it's a it's one, a different culture. obviously a different climate, Mm -hmm. but how were you able to acclimate to now being away from home, where you did have both parents, Yeah, where not everyone has that, to being in a spot by yourself amongst a lot of people who aren't really like you?
2: I think it was an adjustment for sure. I think the weather was the toughest thing for me because it, it was, you know, zero degrees or something like that. I have never even touched that in California whatsoever. So to me, the weather was different. There was different religion um, mm-hmm. was there. The religious, I've never heard of the religion that everybody practiced down there. Um, and then, obviously, the demographic was different. Yeah. But looking at it now, I think it kind of made me better because, you know, I'm coming in, I was 17, turning 18. Mm-hmm. But the people I was playing against was, like, 21, 22, 23 because they were all going on missions. Okay. And so their freshman year was, like, 21 mm-hmm. versus mine was... 18, so I'm playing against people much older than me um, and gaining that experience in a different way that I might not have right. um, going to the regular schools. So you
0: played tight end in high school too. I did. What, who, whose decision was it to make you full-time linebacker once you got to Utah State?
2: I think it was a combination between minds and some of my coaches, but honestly, it was more so... Um, I would get so frustrated in high school because the quarterback wouldn't throw me the ball. And so I remember going to, like, practice one day and I was just like, all right, I'm just going to try just one hand every every ball at practice just so, like, I'm good, throw me the ball. And so I got frustrated that, like, my success relied on this guy getting me the ball Hmm. versus playing linebacker. My effort was all on me. I can, right. get to, I can get to the ball or I can get my hands on the ball just by my effort. And so it was more so just wanting to control my fate a little bit more. And I feel like linebacker, you could do that.
1: You went to Utah State, and this is going to be a, a question when you go in the Hall of Fame. It's going to be one of those trivia questions. Now that you know ball, why did you have to go to Utah State? Were you a late developer? You know, could you not like? It's a reason you went. He you, win, he you just couldn't said he
3: couldn't get open that time. So, that's so, not, in so that's many words way. you that's couldn't. That's not what I. That's chain. not in So many words he was like, I couldn't really create separation.
2: We're gonna look at these cameras <laughs> and <laughs> the playback's gonna be crazy because how you flip that up is nuts. <laughs> um, which is funny because I met P Carroll my junior year. He was recruiting a, uh, one of my friends, Omar Bowden, a line, uh, running back and he just thought I wasn't big enough. And so coming to the senior year, you know, you try to put on a little bit of weight and all these different things, but still nothing. And um, Utah State was my only offer. And then fast forward, how I got the Utah State offer, I didn't even know until we won the Super Bowl, uh, where my coach, you know, my high school coach tells me, you know, come talk to the kids and stuff like that. So I come down there and he tells me about this Stanford story and I'm, the Stanford story I always thought was in high school, you know, you have the, um, the TA class where you mm-hmm. don't really have to go I had it first period. So basically that you get to sleep. And so I'm asleep like I normally sleep and I wake up to, you know, like 300 calls, maybe 200 text messages. And my coach was trying to get me to come up in the school because Stanford had came to, to visit and they wanted to talk to me. So I got dressed as fast as I can. I went, got there, but by the time I got there, they were gone. And he was upset. Like, he was pissed that I I wasn't at school. And so I'm thinking it's that. And later on, when I'm at this event, he tell me the real story, which I didn't know, was he was at this coaching convention, and he was sitting at this table, and I think Jim Harbaugh, who's the the Stanford coach, Mm -hmm. he was talking to him about linebackers. And he was like, hey, I got this linebacker. You should come get him, blah, 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 blah. He's like, no, I'm good. We're good at linebacker. And so I guess he left from that spot and walked over to the Utah State guy and said, hey, that guy over there is about to offer my guy if you don't get on it. So Utah State offered me because they thought Stanford was about to offer me. And that's what...
3: Man, you should have hugged your coach so
2: tight. 100%, but I didn't know that story. (laughs) So when uh, when he told me... Because I I didn't want to go at first because I didn't want to go to Utah. And so I remember... Um, being in a room, and I told him, like, man, I don't got any other offers. Like, we can't get something else. And I remember how mad he was and how he stormed out the room. And I didn't understand why he was so upset until probably, like,
0: ten years later.
2: Because you was ungrateful. That's a way to look at
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> he pulled the old, uh, the Drew Rosenhaus move. <laughs> it's something like with that. With Willis McGahee on draft day. he said. With Buffalo. Yeah, with Buffalo. Mm-hmm. He told him, just act, act like you're on the phone. You know, and they pretend to call each other as if he was going to be drafted next because teams watch live feed the live feed. So Buffalo was like, nah, we got to get in there. And they wanted him, they ended up picking him. But I want to ask you, you said Pete Carroll came to uh, recruit Omar Bolden. Yeah. What were the conversations like between you and, you and Pete once you, you know, uh, uh, once he became your coach with, with Seattle?
2: Well, the first time I saw him um, after all them years, I definitely brought that up, how he passed up on me. Um, in high school, but I mean, he got it right. And so yeah, he did. it was just cool being around him. I, obviously uh, growing up in California, you saw all the success they had at SC. You know, they were coming off of a decent season the year before and he was just always a fun, charismatic guy, like wanted to play around. Like when I came into the league, I had this perception of like, it was going to be serious, strict, no play. If you don't do your job, you getting cut type situation. And When we got there, it was the first meeting, it's loud music, then they turn the loud music off, then it's, you know, basketball uh, competitions. And I'm just like, this can't be the NFL. Like, this is, this is college. We did this in college. And it just worked perfect for our group because we had a lot of young guys. I believe I was like 21, 22. KJ was 22, give or take. Cam, Sherm, Earl, those guys were probably around 23. We was all the same age and so we weren't too far removed from from college so we just fit right in with what he was trying to do.
0: You'll never hear anybody say anything bad about Coach Carroll. You know, he learned from being an old Patriots coach, going down to college, then coming back to the league. He understood what environment was about. You know, and all of the guys that I know that have played for him wouldn't want to trade him in as a coach for anything in the world. He'll always be a legendary coach in my eyes. And I, I've only met him once, but according to all the other guys, like they wouldn't want to, you know, have anyone else coach them ever. I
2: mean, I can see that. Cause you know, I think what Pete did was he brought the best out of you, whatever that was. Like he never, he never wanted you to change who you were. He wants you to be who you were, but he wants you to be the best version of yourself. And so if he was loud, be the best loud person that he's ever seen, if he was quiet, if he was focused, if he was whatever, Like he wanted you to be that best person. I think that's why he brought the best out of everybody. And so I I would say I was fortunate to be able to play with him for all those years.
3: The play on the field of the Legion of Boom, you mentioned some of those names, the Cams, the KJs, and all of you guys was something we just all enjoyed. Right, we felt like, I remember being at the Pro Bowl with uh, That was the year, I think, uh, Brandon Brandon Browner had made it, I think just before you. Brandon Browner made it. It was Earl's year there, and they were just saying, like, we are going to be the next defense. Because at that time, the Pittsburgh Steelers were. And they were like, we're going to be the next. And then they add you. What was just the environment of competition like? What was the environment of work like during the time that your defense was the Legion of Boom. Because not only did you guys have great players, y'all had characters, and y'all had like Mm. monumental moments that didn't involve football. Whether it was, you know, whether it was Sherm or Earl, Cam, uh, you know, Marshawn. Just what was that run like for you just being with those people?
2: I think being in it, you didn't appreciate uh, what was going on because you thought it was gonna last forever. And um, even, You know when we got to the point where we had to get paid and things of that nature we was able to work it out so we extended it you know even longer than what people you know had said um the environment though was crazy like everybody's coming to be the best like i wanted to be the best linebacker earl wanted to be the best safety cam wanted to be the best safety mike b wanted to be the best marshawn wanted to be the best and so when you're going out there and you're practicing against people that want to be the best they bring the best out of you and so It was a fun environment, and like you said, we had a bunch of characters. So, you know, the conversations were crazy. Obviously, the practice was crazy. Um, The constant fights that we probably got in early (laughs) on was crazy, but it was expected. And, you know, I think it was all out of love, you know? So anytime you got into it with somebody you knew is because they want you, you said that you wanted to be the best, and maybe that day you wasn't acting like uh, the best or you weren't pursuing yourself or pushing yourself to be the best. And so, you knew it was out of love. And so, when we got in those tough moments in the game, people knew how to push and get the best out of one another. And um, it it was like the perfect group for that time. When snap goes
3: over Peyton Manning's head. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear?
0: Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
3: And it's, it's the Super Bowl. Did y'all
2: know then it was over? Nah, we knew going into the week before we knew we was going to win going to the week.
3: Yeah, like there's winning a football game, Bobby, and then there's like barely even playing a football game. Cause it wasn't hard for y'all that day. There's no way you're going against Peyton Manning, who's had an MVP season, and you're walking into the stadium or practicing that week. So me and you've been to Super Bowls; they haven't. So we're gonna turn this way and just have this conversation um, together. That's kind of crazy, but yeah, you know. so, <laughs> so, disrespectful,
1: Lainey. It's disrespectful. Yeah, it's you, know. So, I'm, you know. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> I, guess I know. Y'all let that happen.
3: You know, like I know what that week is like. Going and you said going into the week, going into the game. Y'all knew y'all would win.
2: Yeah, because we was in New York. And, you know, we got out there the week before. And you see the team. Obviously, the team's not far from where you're at. So when you're going out different places and stuff, you see them. And we, the way they was carrying themselves that week, we just knew they weren't focused. They wasn't as focused as we were. Mm-hmm. Um, they was more interested in all the other stuff that was going on, like the events. Like, I knew I mean, a couple of those guys had events, you know, leading up into the week. And we just wasn't on that. We was just, we was there to win. And so we may have went to a basketball game. Um, if that, we just didn't feel like, you know, they was as focused as we were. Yeah, I just trip remember, I remember the week before, obviously before we go out there, I've been watching the film and, you know, from watching the film, we felt like if we all did our jobs, it was going to be good. But then when we saw how they was, you know, kind of moving around during during that week, we knew that the moment we get out there, we was gonna win, and then when the ball went over the head, it was like, "This is what we was talking about." Like, that's not happening if you focus. Like, it, it was over. It's, it's one thing being good, being a top
1: defense. Y'all were feared. Like, did y'all did, did Boy, y'all kill and, us? <laughs> like, did y'all yeah. embrace? Did y'all know and embrace that? Like, the, y'all were feared. People were going on the field looking out. Like, damn, if B wag hit me, it might be over for me.
2: We we were very confident, and you could say too, like. If you looked at our defense, we didn't we didn't run too much crazy stuff at you. Like you knew we were we were probably 90% cover three, mm-hmm. and we just ran every variation of cover three that you possibly knew. So you knew where we were going to be at. It's just you had to make the play, and we felt confidently that we were going to make the play more times than not than you were going to make the play. And so it was more of a thing like who's going to make it this week, like you going to be at Sherm or is it going to be me? Is it going to be Cam? Like, we just knew that somebody's going to make a play and there was a competition on who made the play first. And can, uh, because it's called the Legion of Boom,
1: can that ever happen again? Because I don't think, I don't, in this day and age of football, I don't know if that defense is as good because everybody's getting fined. (laughs) Cam (laughs) for
3: sure getting fined. (laughs)
2: Yes, he is. Cam getting fined. Sherm might be getting fined, but... because what he said, not because necessarily <laughs> what he did. Uh, Earl will probably get fine. We'll get fine, but we adapt. I think we was a group that could adapt to so that. You've done it. Yeah, I'm about to say. You know what I mean? So I think we could do it. Was that was it tough for you to do?
1: Cause you, you can't say certain things, head hunting, kill the head, the body, you can't say old style football stuff like that. But I've watched you, I love linebacker play. What have you done to not get those fines? Because you do, you still knock the hell out of people, but
2: they ain't, you ain't giving them all of your money back either. I just always felt like you try to, you know, I try to hit with my shoulders. I feel like I work out my shoulders so much why I hit with my face. And so, to me, it's just practicing on the target. I never really, like, growing up, when we was coming into the game, they was teaching hit with your head. And I'm just like, well, you're not walking away from the game. Mm-hmm with your head, like, you're walking away from the game, like, kind of messed up, so I don't want to do that. Oh. And, uh, you know...
0: The shoulders is I, this wide, right. too, so <laughs> We didn't we not need that out.
2: disclaimer. <laughs> I mean, I
1: work yeah.
0: out. You know what <laughs> I mean? I work
3: out. His shoulders <laughs> this wide,
0: <laughs> though. I work out. I, I want to state something for the record. He said, everybody feared y'all. I used to watch the games on my couch. I wanted some of that action. So I ain't fear y'all, but I wasn't there.
2: I feel it. Um, I don't think you would have had that many yards, though.
0: Hey, Fred, you See were, what I'm saying? Fred, you, you wouldn't have that many <laughs> yards, for sure. I wasn't 63. I'm not 63. You, you like to talk about my age, huh? Yeah, let's go one-on-one right here. No, nah, I used to sit on the couch like, damn, they look so good out there. But that's what you want, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, teams that bring out the best in you. And we just talked last week on our three-man show where I said I don't have many moments where I miss the game. You guys were so good that I wanted to get out there like yeah. damn I can but I knew I couldn't yeah. but in my mind I felt like it would have been nice yeah. for that challenge man cuz y'all down in history the 2000 yeah. Ravens, the 02 Bucks, you guys the Steelers, uh 85 Bears, it's not uh it's not that many great defenses. Yeah. When you get a nickname, you know it's legendary. <laughs> Steel Curtain. Yeah, yeah. you know not think you guys. It's, it's fucking I mean, legendary. I think the nickname was more though DBs, though.
2: To be honest, I yeah. think over time it it became the tidy. everybody. But at first, I feel like it was more so Sherm Cam, Earl, BB, or you know whomever was the the second uh, next corner. And so it took it took everybody else kind of a minute to kind of embrace that because it was more of a. The secondary you know when you heard legion of boom you thought of that secondary and so in essence it could have motivated the rest of the group too that you know you wanted to kind of make a name for yourself um but i think in a way it was all it was all
0: positive i am a running back i never went into the game thinking about the secondary My you, didn't play, you didn't play camp
2: second. chancellor though camp chancellor come I in played
0: the box. Troy he knocked Cam. I know disrespect I to Cam sh- at all. I mean, to Troy. Sh- and no, no, I love Cam's game, and I know he knocked out plenty of guys. It's not
2: even that. It's, it's Cam was 6'1", 240. He played in the block, the box majority of the time. Like, he was just different. It wasn't, like, most safety's not coming in the box like a linebacker, right. like he was. And so I just think that, that he had a, d- a different aspect to the game.
3: I know Vernon Davis has to hate him. Yeah, but he used to give hey. Vernon Davis the blues. <laughs> this, boy.
0: this was a time I just wanted Jam to give you. Damn, was crazy. I wanted to give you your flowers I because it. even with that, you could hear Bobby Wagner, and that's kind of what made me stand up because I knew what you brought to the table. When even a guy who was considered a two-star, you no know, going second round, you're ten-time uh, All-Pro. That that doesn't happen. Uh, I, I forget how many Pro Bowls you have. Uh, you had over 100 tackles per season for 12th straight season every year you've been dumb. in the game, which is crazy. That's shit. dumb. You know, and you had a chip on your shoulder when you left Seattle to go to L.A., come back to Seattle just to show them that you still can do it. And you did it, earning a Pro Bowl. So... Even going back to those days when I thought I can hop off my couch, Mm -hmm. you that same player, and that's been since what was that, the 15 seasons,
3: baller man. So
0: I just want to give you a flower. I I ain't think about them not disrespecting them, but I know what a, I know where the shit come from on a defense.
3: Channing would always tell us about practicing with Ronnie Brown Mm -hmm. and Ricky Williams, and he played with Junior Seau, and he said Junior Seau man with try to fit up Ricky Williams at practice, Ricky was running too hard, he'd throw his helmet, he'd get mad, get mm. off the field. Did you ever have any of those sorts of battles with Marshawn? Because we would always just say, offensively and defensive, defensively, iron sharp as iron, Yeah. right? When we were in training camp, like, yeah. I wanted the offense to try to score. I wanted them to go hard because I wanted to be able to believe in him. As a backer, having an opportunity to see Marshawn, you know, daily in training camp. What were those experiences like?
2: Marshawn helped my game so much, especially um, as a rookie and my second year as well, because oftentimes when you think of Marshawn, you think of you know him running everybody over, but he's also really good at set, setting up his blocks. And so I just remember being at practice and thinking I had him and then he would disappear and he'd be gone. And so, you know, I would go over to him, I'll ask him like, like, what you saw on that? And he would just tell me like the way I stacked my alignment, the way the the offensive line was flowing. He just like set me up into the gap, and then he knew where the hole was gonna be. You know, after he did that, and I was just like, dang, like, I didn't realize anybody thought like that mm-hmm. from the other side. Like I didn't think that they was reading the way that we were reading. And so, you know, I felt like it started allowed me to set up blocks too, where I, I would make you think the hole was open, and then I would meet you there. And so. Um, you know, he he helped me out a lot. Just, that was the battle. It was, like, more like a chess piece. It wasn't more so physicality. It was more so, like, you know, all right, I'm not gonna let him beat me with one of these jump cuts today. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna let him set me up. I'm gonna see if I can set him up today.
3: Why didn't you tell Coach to give him the ball, then?
2: Hey, that's above my pay grade, brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? This that's, why that's... He's like, hey, brother. look, that's, that's, that's your two. <laughs> right? Still trying to figure it out. <laughs> not gonna walk up to Pete and tell him that. Uh, but everybody in
3: the, the building knows. That, Bro, that's where when, the ball... when, when you are on the sideline, like the best, the best visual from the Malcolm Butler interception is Sherm's face. Right. Like Sherm was in between disbelief and distraught, so he had the ugly cry face with no tears.
2: Right. You know what I mean? We and, saw it.
3: And they show it all the time. It's a
2: meme. <laughs> it's a meme. I use it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> when you use it, do you still feel it? Feel I send it to Sherm sometimes. If Sherm texted me and he'd say something crazy and I can't, I'm in disbelief of what he said, i send him that.
3: When that happens, though, bro, because you, 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 you know, you have the, the ball that tips and you catch it, you, you put yourself in position to score. Malcolm Butler, honestly, too, I think it, everybody focuses on Marshawn not getting it. It was actually just a hell of a play. Right. Two by Malcolm Butler. You have to be thinking to yourself, oh, this is number two. You know, we're going to win this game. When that moment happens, what's your initial thought?
2: It was so much that led up to that moment that you know, the cursed catch
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, the it was a bunch of plays that led to that moment. So by the time we got there you know, you just think like man, this has happened so many times throughout this season even if you look at the last game it's, you know, we threw like five interceptions and, mm-hmm. or we had five turnovers and we weren't supposed to win and they do a uh onside kick the dude doesn't block it right we get the ball then you know and that Russ, was Green Bay. yep and then you know Russ throws the pass touchdown so it was just like oh, here we go again we about to we about to win and then when they don't get it honestly if i remember i remember i looked directly at Marshawn. cuz i feel like a lot of the reaction to the situation was based off of how he felt you know what i mean mm-hmm. and he kind of was just like you know, he kind of just like, kind of like, ah, oh, i seen this coming. And he he already, to an extent, had already moved past it to a extent by the time we got in the locker room. So the initial, it was like shock. Like, dang, like, I can't believe, like, we were that close. Um, and then I think right after, you know, they come out, they need, I think we get in a fight before the thing. So then it turns into that. It's like, all right, let's, let's not get suspended for the next season. And it was just tough. It was a tough one to, to overcome. I still feel like we... We never fully recovered. But I don't think that was the the thing that kind of took its toll on us.
3: What was the thing that took its toll? Uh,
2: I think it was the game before. I think it was the game before. um, I think defense, you know, we going up against Aaron Rodgers and we started in the red zone, maybe like the first four or five drives. They had a couple um, field goals. Uh, You know, I think Sherm had a couple picks that game. And I just remember going into the team meeting room the next day and there was a lot of praise for the offense and by how resilient they were. And then there was defense need to be better. And you know, like you said, we have a lot of alpha males in that room and a lot of those guys didn't take too kindly of, of that from an accountability standpoint.
3: How much did that have to do with the quarterback of the team?
2: Uh, I'm pretty sure that played a part in it, for sure.
3: Did he really have his office?
2: Did he have offense with us? An
1: office he in the
2: facility? He didn't have an offense.
1: Okay, because that was the story Was when, when talking about Russ, right? Yeah. When Russ went to Denver, he they, he had an office in
2: Seattle where he was just above the rest of the team. He didn't have an office in Seattle. He maybe had a space where, you know, he took care of his body or did some, some work. You know, he had a, um, a PT that he worked with. Um, but it wasn't an office, and it was kind of out of the way, so you wouldn't. Even, it was like a room that was unused; nobody even thought of that room, and so
3: That's a, we didn't
2: think of it as we didn't think of it as nothing. We just looked at it as he was he was using that space to get ready for the game, just like everybody else.
3: You know, you talk about taking a toll. As a you know, we had a really good defense too, and sometimes we felt like offense didn't necessarily pull its weight. And there was the looking at the quarterback and looking at the offense like, OK, man, we winning games 11 to 10. Mm-hmm. Right. We're we're winning games six to three. You know, like at some point you're going to have to have our backs. How much did that ever become an issue in Seattle during the time of the height? of that defense, you know, were there ever conversations of like, man, if the offense does get to this point, we could be this. Or if they were already there, we'd already be this. Or did you guys just look at it like, man, look, if they don't score, they don't win. I think that was more of our thought process
2: um, because we were wanting to be a really, really great defense. And you watch all of the defense that we've talked about and if you even listen to some of the soundbites that you have from the Ravens, they'd be like, all we need is three points. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Like, we don't need the offense to score that many points. So it was more of a mentality thing. We didn't really focus on what they were doing. Um, We wanted to make sure that the other team didn't score points and how can we be the reason why we won the game. And so we wasn't worried about, like, them pulling their weight or them doing these different things. It just put us in a position where we can make plays and we are gonna make those plays.
3: Did you have to mourn the end of that era? The Ch- Cam Chancellor is gone. Earl Thomas is gone. Richard Sherman is gone. Mike B is gone. KJ eventually leaves. It's like, you are, you are like Benjamin Button, right? Like, if y'all know if you've ever seen the movie, but know. obviously, uh, Benjamin Button was aging backwards. So not even like Benjamin Button, like the guy on the Green Mile, right? On the Green Mile, he gets touched by John Coffey, like to drink, not spell the same. And so he lives longer than everybody else. He's watched Mm. his kids go. He's lost all of his friends, right? And he says, this is curse for letting one of God's great creations or God's miracles die. You came a little bit later than some of the people. Mm. So you had to watch them all go. And though you were still playing at the height of your game, the defense wasn't as good. You Mm. didn't have all the same players. The team wasn't winning the way that they used to. And I know too, like when you become a part of, and they've been around us, the Steelers, when you become a part of something like so great, so monumental, and you accomplish certain things, you grow a different attachment to those people.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And to watch them all leave, and it's like, damn, I'm still here. You know, even with all those people around you, you had to be like that Will Smith picture on the last <laughs> episode, you know what I'm saying, looking around with your hands in your pocket, and that whole empty, what was it like, man, as the pieces started to go and change?
2: I would say it kind of happened really fast. You know what I mean? Like, it started, and then it happened really fast. Like, you watch, um, you know, I think maybe Cam got hurt first, and you watch Sherm get hurt, and then Earl had his stuff going on. You had all these different things, and I was just like, all right, well, in your mind, when they get hurt, and in your mind, when they, they have these things, you you go, all right, well, they're just going to heal up and they're going to be back. You know, a couple of those guys had basically career-ending injuries, mm-hmm. so they weren't coming back. You know, another guy had reached the end of his contract and, you know, went somewhere else. Same thing with another guy. And so you look at that and you're just like, wow, like, I don't think I appreciated that time the way I probably should have when, yeah. we, were, when we were in the moment. Um, but... I think that being said, like you have conversations, you know, with these guys all the time and you know, you were like, hey, how long you want to play? You know, some guys were saying 10, some guys were saying, you know, just to the second contract. And I always had a goal of getting to 10 and then figuring it out, but wanting to ultimately get to like somewhere in the 15 range. Mm. And so to me, I'm like, I knew at some point that day was going to come because even from our goals were different. I wanted to play longer than they might've wanted to play. It's just, I think the window that they wanted to play got cut shorter than um, they expected. So it, it was more of a like, um, after they after they left, I, I realized that I needed to appreciate my teammates more yeah. because you never knew how long you was gonna be able to play with them.
3: You know, and part of that is continuing to build who you are away from the sport. Um, and uh, I saw an interesting piece on you about Fast Fifty Four. Mm-hmm. Can you sort of explain the acronym and why that's so important to you?
2: I think that is basically a comic book that I created, um, like we talked about. Like, but my mom, like, I always try to find different ways to kind of honor her, or kind of, um, you know, I understand her story and what she went through, and I'm pretty sure there's other people that's, you know, gone through the same thing, and so. Um, F.A.S.T. 54 was just like an acronym uh, based off of the um, the signs of stroke, where we wanted to... It's kind of a serious subject, but we wanted to figure out a way to educate uh, people. Because when she had the stroke, like, there was no, for me at least, there was no information out there. You didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. The only thing you did was call 911, but you didn't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, we wanted to create this comic book based off of an a, a action hero, yeah. but... It's not a hero that saves the day, and so that's kind of what we wanted to paint in this comic book: that you don't have to be a hero um, to save lives. And so that was just our way of coming up with something fun that any age can relate to, whether right. it's somebody young that loves com or loves comics or loves uh, superheroes, or somebody who's older that remembers their first comic book that they had. Um, it's basically a story to try to shed some light on people that uh, suffer stroke and raise some money and awareness and yeah. uh, you know trying to turn something that wasn't good into good
3: i mean this is this is the time of year you saw it last week it was cold right that's playoff football our partners at draftkings they still the same though they don't change when the moment gets heated right they they ain't doing what dallas did so any <laughs> new customer that signs up right now for DraftKings, you place a $5 bet, you use the promo code DFITS instantly $200 in bonus bets.
1: And right now you get a no sweat bet, bro. You get a bet, if that bet doesn't hit, you get a bonus bet on top of that. You know they are gonna watch out for you. Hey, y'all know I love the same game parlays. You know I'm hitting on the overs, same game, the receiving yards and all that, and you give yourself
0: a chance to win even
1: more bread.
0: I love those same game parlays. Look. All you need is this device, and just go and create your own account on DraftKings Sportsbook. And if it's not in your state, don't worry about it. We still got DraftKings Daily Fantasy, give you an opportunity to get in the game.
3: Pivot. Hey, use the promo code. Defense. Any new customer placing a $5 bet instantly gets $200 in bonus bets.
0: B, let's, uh, let's pivot off the, off the pitch for no a little No pun bit. intended. People know everything that you've done on the field, or at least after seeing this, they will know. But off the field. Like your endeavors with philanthropy, uh, you mentioned your mom mm. is a uh, stroke victim. Mm. You 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 you've partnered with several organizations. Mm. I can't go down the entire list, yeah. but I want you to oh, because so people no. I mean, whoever you've partnered with, because yeah. I, I think it's important that people get an opportunity to see that side of players. Because a lot of times things go unknown. They yeah. think athletes are just these guys that just play ball and they. Disappear, but you do a lot in the community. Namely, I guess I could speak the the whole uh, mentoring program mm. back in Seattle. Yep. You're partnering with the public school system. Yep. uh and May Fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're partnering with Cedar Sinai to assist stroke stroke patients. Any other things that you you've done? The idea
2: is just whenever I feel compelled to do something that I've experienced, I just try to help, and so. Um, you know, I partnered with like the Rent School District because um, I didn't realize that if you didn't pay your um, your meals um, in elementary, it carries on to middle school, and at some point you have to pay that debt. And so um, I remember getting you know meals when I was a kid, and I'm like, I don't remember that debt following me like that. And so you know, we we found a way to, to relieve some of the students of that debt, um, but a lot of it has just come from Experience, you know, I've done a lot of work with HBCUs just because I didn't know um, what an HBCU was until I got to to college. I didn't realize what that was uh, and how impactful it could be, and that is a resource. So, you know, I try to spread some light on that. So, really, it's just whatever I, I feel
0: compelled to do that that um, kind of speaks to me. I just go for it. Those community works have led to you being honored with the NFL Man of the Year um, award through your Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. To to receive that honor, uh, how does that make you feel? I mean, I think
2: it'll be a blessing, you know, to get the big thing. But being, um, you know, being acknowledged by Seahawks, I think it just speaks to some of the stuff that, you know, we've been able to do. Not just myself, the team um, that's helped me um, do those things. Just being able to to try to impact, like you said, impact the game off the field just as we do on the field. So it's trying to, find a way to just leave a legacy that's not just this game.
3: This is your second time being nominated
2: by My the My second time,
3: yeah. Yeah, so you were nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year in 2019, mm-hmm. and now in 2023 again. Uh, obviously, earning the award is a, a big thing, but also the name attached to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: What would it mean to you to be attached to such a great, both on and off the field, like walter Payton,
2: i mean i think it would mean the world because i think like you said we've talked a lot you know about my mom and and what she's meant to me i think um the things that i remember her saying is be more than just the athlete just and and do more than just what the average person does and i think that's kind of how i live my life and to be able to be a part of that class that group that's been able to be honored with this award as well as you know, the award itself and what it means to the league and to the people, I think it'd just be a blessing.
3: You are, uh, you taking NBA classes, right? I am. Right, so you're taking MBA classes. Um, you're in... Proud <laughs> me that he knew that. You're in, <laughs> in, in my opinion, um, a Hall of Famer. And you continue to seem to strive for more, right? To be more than what people maybe expect you to be. And to be more than what you've already accomplished, which has already uh, been a ton. And I could be wrong; you can tell me if wrong. I Think you want to be the commissioner? That'd be dope. Or or, or work in some capacity some, somewhere in, a, in some capacity in a, in a like that. What chairman. are your goals going forward?
2: I want to run a team someday. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. I think uh, I read a book a long time ago, and it was I believe it was called a Forty Million Dollar Slave. And it was just the opening caption of the book. It was like, I believe it was Larry Johnson. Um, he's playing in the garden. I might mess it up, but basically the story goes, he's playing in the garden and there's this fan heckling him. And you know, they're going back and forth the whole game. Uh, Larry wins the game. I think it's, he has like maybe 38 points, 12 rebounds, eight assists, whatever it is. And so he goes up to the fans like, yeah, take that. And the fan responds. Um, you still a $40 million slave Mm. and then the book kind of just talks about how like we're okay with just being players and making the money that we make being a player and then leaving the game versus the people that are running the teams and the people that are in charge of the decision makings and you know, the opportunities that they get from just being in those positions are far greater than the ones that we get, but we just don't see it that way.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Or we don't aspire to be at that be because that we don't see enough people um, that look like us in those seats. And so I always wanted to be somebody that ended up in those seats. Like I watched, uh, I looked at Magic Johnson, you know, obviously he was a a big one for me uh, growing up and just seeing his transition from playing in the game, being great in that game, and then being as good of businessman, um, you know, after football or after basketball, same thing with Jay-Z. Um, I would even say, like somebody that I look up to to this day, that hopefully I meet one day is 50 Cent, just watching his transition. So I just watched these guys and how they were known for something. They worked at something else, transitioned to that, and and were even better in the next phase. And so that's what I'm trying to be. Whatever that is, I believe that that my my role is somewhere in business.
1: You got you got everything planned. You super damn smart. You MBA. What's that? Masters in business. Mm-hmm. You no. Know? Yeah. You got everything planned. But every time somebody says when you gonna start playing ball, it's a, <laughs> it's a mystery. You <laughs> like, about everything is you it? say is planned is out it? exactly how it's gonna go. Hey, but how long you playing?
2: Ah, you know I had uh, around 15 years. Is it is it planned though, or am I just doing something? Am I moving, like, NBA that's moving? Towards a goal. Towards a goal, yeah. But what? the thing with football, though, is that we know is we are not always in control of that. Like, I can want to play as long as I, I want, but if the teams don't see it that way, then that's out of my control. What I can control is being in the best shape, continue evolving with the game, and being ready for my opportunity. That's all I can control.
1: Yeah.
2: But, you know, that's that's in my control. Everything else is not in my control. Gotta see if they keep giving you that check. You know what I mean? <laughs>
3: I tell you what's not in your control is these uh this NFC championship game. And uh, you know, I tried to say that your the Rams were your rival earlier and you pushed back on that and you said it's probably more San Francisco. If well, you think about it. Well, your rival is in the NFC championship. Okay. With Brock Purdy is the quarterback. Okay. And a great defense. You know about linebacker play. I think they have some of the best backer play in the uh, in the league. Who wins it? I'm not going for the 49ers. I didn't say who you were going for. I said who's gonna win the game, Detroit well, I, or San Francisco?
2: I I don't want the 49ers to win. <laughs> so <I'm> De- Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm shooting for is Detroit. I'm, hey, you I'm a I'm, I'm, I'm big fan of Fred and and Dre and all those guys. I want them to do great. But I, I don't want to see them in there. Just like if the Rams is in there. Like, I love Sean and, you know, Raheem and all those guys. Ernest, uh, AD. Like, I want y'all to ball out. But I probably wouldn't want to see y'all win, to
3: be honest. <laughs> you added out. Y'all guys, uh, good team this year. You know, fell a little bit short. Y'all went to Baltimore. And it was kind of like a, a prove-it game. And... Uh, Lamar was Lamar. Yeah. You've been in this league for a long time and played some really good players. People truly believe he's the presumptive MVP for the second time in his career. I think the Mm -hmm. first to have two by 26. Yeah. What makes that dude so different?
2: I think the biggest difference in his game is, I think when he first got into the league, it was if he didn't see what he needed to see, he would take off and run. And I think the biggest evolution of his game is, He's seeing the pass game so good, but still has the same agility, same speed to take off and run. And so back maybe before you would, as soon as something didn't break in like the first couple of seconds, you were okay going and trying to make the tackle. Mm-hmm. But now is if you do that too soon, he throws it right where you left or you leave your guy, he throws it right over. Like he's looking to throw, but also understands how great a value his Legs still are, and you know, it makes him very hard to stop because he's throwing a ball with great accuracy, and he's still, you know, you watched the game last week. He runs, stops on a dime, and <laughs> yeah. keeps running. Like yeah. you can't. It, that's that's tough.
3: Yeah, dude is dude is different, man. And this has been a great show. First off, man, we appreciate you, but we ask all of our our guests this: It's what's your biggest pivot? What's a moment in your life that, whenever we tell the story of Bobby Wagner and all the things that he was able to accomplish, or all that he ever was, the moment that we'll point to and say, with without this moment, whether negative or positive, he doesn't grow to be the man he grew to be. Oh, if you wow, could point that's, that's to that it. moment, what would it be? I would say probably,
2: uh, probably the first one was my my junior year, and in college, I would say, um, I probably put a lot more into football. Like I, I made the decision, uh, cause I was I was thinking about coming out just because I wanted to be able to put food on the table and I, I just couldn't, you know, back in when I was playing, they weren't giving out deals like that. We was mm-hmm. trying to survive our $400, you know, yeah. like we weren't getting what SC was getting, you know, in our per diems, we was getting yeah. barely enough. And so I was tired of living like that. So I was thinking about leaving school early um, but I got talked into not doing that and I was like okay if I'm coming back from my senior year then I'm literally putting everything that I have into this game and I'm not partying I'm not nothing I'm not doing nothing I'm going to focus solely on being the best football player that I could possibly be um, I think that helped probably raise my interest of NFL teams and then it was a Beyonce show that I went to, too. This is, y'all wanna be honest. Yeah. I went to a Beyonce show, and I watched her perform. And I watched all the costumes that she changed, and I watched all the dances that she had, and I watched, this is maybe 2013 or something, give or take. Um, And when I saw her perform I walked away and I said, I'm not working hard enough at my craft. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, I need to work harder because what she's doing is insane. So So. Bobby
3: Wagner was inspired to work harder at football by Beyoncé? For sure. Why not? That's safe. I'm in the Beehive too, brother. Why not? Yes, sir. That
0: that, that is safe. Real quick before we let you out, B. Um, Who do you expect to be the next coach of the Seahawks? And... What do you think you'll be playing next year?
2: Hopefully with Seattle, um, but I understand this business. Obviously, I've been through it a couple of times now, so um, I understand that, again, that's something that's not in my control. I want it to be that, but I also understand that, that I'm, I'm open to playing elsewhere um, because I want to continue my career. So if that's not in Seattle, I would love to continue my career, regardless of the situation. The next coach of Seattle, Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, I would hope that somebody like Raheem Morris gets an opportunity. He's a great fit. Um, I think there's a couple guys that I think should get opportunities, but that's the first thing that comes into my mind just because I've, like, being with the Rams and watching him run the defense and then watching him run the defense when everybody started to get hurt and we had guys you know not being able to be ready for games and the his ability to to uh make those adjustments and then you see it in this year like mm-hmm. this year you come in and you know everybody you know don't have any expectations you know for those guys and that defense plays at a high level um obviously AD's AD but you know Ernest played at a high level there were so many different people that played at a high level and I think a lot of that is because um you know he knows what he's doing
3: we went to Raheem's house the day of the parade when they um, won the Super Bowl. And
2: yeah, y'all interviewed him.
3: Yeah, and so and so we sat with him. Right. Uh, this is when the pivot was really pivoting. Okay. Right. Like we we hadn't quite got a hold or an understanding of the freedom mm-hmm. of of traveling in such a manner. So his wife comes out and she's like, uh, "You guys want water?" And we was like, "Hell no." It's a Super Bowl celebration. We party. Uh, too. We finna party too. So, you know, he goes back to the wine cellar and this defensive coordinator, former head coach, yeah. wine. You know what I'm saying? This ain't booms for Yeah. Man, so we break the wine out. You know, here I am thinking, Bobby, it's a glass of wine. Well, yeah, it's a glass till you drink 11 of them. <laughs> oh, wow. So by the end <laughs> so that of it, man. that was a great show. It, I thought it was. You see, we really had to edit it. That's when Alicia oh, was bet. really earning her money. <laughs> I uh, <bet. laughs> We fought. By the end of the show, <laughs> Channing didn't tackle me. I drop a glass of wine.
2: Oh, wow. When I dropped the glass of wine. it red? Yeah. It was red, bro. Ah.
3: White floor. So White then ch- carpet? I don't think we got the carpet. Okay, it was like, that's cool. Wood floor. It, was wood floor, it was wood floor. wood floor. Uh, and then... White wood? And so, that's then crazy. when Channing makes me drop the wine. Nice house. When he makes me drop the wine, he then starts to beat me up, because I dropped the wine. Teach his play.
1: ass a lesson. Hit play.
3: <laughs> oh,
0: y'all got video footage. <laughs> <laughs> I turned the volume down. Oh, wow. <laughs> we don't like posting everything, but the funny, there's evidence.
2: So, before I I'm, I'll pause the video, but the funny part of this whole video is y'all didn't even drink the wine in regular cups? Y'all just in plastic cups? Yeah. Red cups. Okay.
0: Solo. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Respectable. Hey. He, hey you we know, are Ron, not bougie. We are not I that. feel it. That's why he deserved that head coaching <laughs> job. Wow. You're gonna get the best out of those guys in his natural element. That's funny, element. and yeah, you 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 definitely.
2: Punch. I don't know your your punching form.
0: Huh? That's a a, bit. that's called a drunk fight.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> that's my white girl. Yeah. The,
2: <laughs> yeah. That, that form. That form. We need to work on that. You we need might to, have to release the. you the, need to, you need to
1: pivot from that form. Later.
0: We might have to release yeah. the audio Late. at some point. Later that that's night, funny. I was
1: on the trampoline with with Raheem's kids, rolling around on the trampoline, playing with the babies. It was okay. it was a long day. Yeah, that's
2: that's an interesting story. I don't know if I have a story. Well, maybe I do. I don't know. Not like that, though. <laughs> Not like that. Well. What's actually funny is I got it's one of my favorite pictures is of me and Magic Johnson. And I don't, to this day, I don't know if he met me. I don't know. I got tickets to the Lakers game. And um, I got it to seats from top. And... I'm sitting on the floor and I've got a bunch of people coming up to me. So this is maybe year seven-ish, give or take. So I'm thinking, oh man, like people know who I am. This is, this is dope. I brought my cousin with me. And so Magic Johnson comes up and I'm just like, yo, I gotta, I gotta introduce myself. And so um, I go up and I introduce myself. We say, what's up? You know, we have this small conversation. Do dude the picture But then I realized that everybody thought my cousin was Wiz Khalifa. (laughs) And so I wasn't sure that if people were coming up to me (laughs) to say hello or just... So I got this really dope picture of me shaking the hands with Magic Johnson. And I don't know if he think I'm Bobby or Wiz's bodyguard. I don't know. Um, (laughs) What the picture? Hold The picture's dope. The picture look like he's my friend. So that's...
3: (laughs) I tell people that all the time. For sure.
2: Yeah. Well, until we, you know, until we see each other, then we exchange some business deals.
3: Well, Magic Johnson, here it is. You're now part owner of the Washington Commanders. Bobby Wagner would like to go back to Seattle, but if you need a future Hall of Fame linebacker and maybe business partner, just know you met him, or you may not have met him. He at least met you. And that's the 100%. end of the pivot. 100%. <laughs> 100%. That's the Appreciate you, my boy. My dog said, where's Khalifa <laughs> security? I don't know. <laughs> hey, Freddie T, uh, when you dab Bobby off, you realize what current players as, as compared oh, to... Uh, yeah, like... Hey. Hugging the motherfucking corner of the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it felt like, like, like you on a concrete, golly. He one of the few dudes I see knock people back flat-footed. Yeah. Like, he'll come off a block and be set, Oh, yeah, man. I, big. I middle, squat, man, good. you know what I mean? Know. Put a two big boxes in it. I
1: squat for a living, man. <laughs> Shit, our <laughs> bodies look, look different, though. Just a little bit. <laughs> 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 we
3: smiling, what we doing? Right, let's smile, man. Hold up. Limitless. Take like a stomach, i pinning it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling get me up. Uh, on the mission, get me up. Uh, knowing me, I got the key. Uh, only vision I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Take a stomach, cop, in it. I fought here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Uh, way I'm feeling, got me up. Wanna uh, miss